Welcome to the GIST podcast, where we come together to meet the many wonderful people who make GIST what it is. A place where students learn to be self-directed, globally engaged, balanced, and future ready. I'm Morgan. And I'm Mindy. And we're your hosts. Today, we are so excited to welcome to our podcast our interim head of school, Maya Nelson, and Denise Lyons, who has taught at GIST for the last six years. We are so grateful that you were able to find some time in your busy schedules to join us today. Maya, special congratulations on your new role here at GIST. Thank you. So on today's podcast, we're going to discuss our new GIST Learning Center program, which is going to be rolled out soon, um, which aims to expand the scope of student services provided by our school. Denise and Maya, you have extensive experience in this area. And I know, Denise, you've taught in self-contained classrooms. You've piloted programs for students with intensive needs. So we are so grateful for your expertise in this area. Maya, you've been leading efforts to improve student support services in international schools for many years, and you've been a member of the GIST community in numerous capacities as a student, as a teacher, a parent, and an administrator. With all of this in mind, uh, could you take a moment to tell us about your passion for student support services and how it developed, why you're excited to start the GIST Learning Center? Thank you so much. Um, Yes, Morgan, I'm happy to answer all those things. The interesting piece is that I think that my involvement and my passion for special education and student support services started here when I was a student in middle school and high school. I was really fortunate to be able to work on different service projects and with different service organizations, mostly in orphanages and sometimes in schools that were focused on special education. And that was the first time really as a very young um, adolescent that I could um, think about how I could impact others in the world and the joy that I found in working with students with different neurodiversities. At that time, they were really young children that I worked with. From that, after I graduated from GIS in high school, I went and received um, dual degrees in elementary education and special education, but really my journey as a special educator went from working with students with very significant needs to becoming increasingly interested in dyslexia and how children learned how to read, to trying to understand the neural constructs of brain development. And so, you know, over the last decades in education, I have had the great opportunity of being able to continue to research and study best practices and ways that we can support all children in schools. So really, you know, my, my journey, my personal and professional journey in different countries has allowed me to learn about programs in different countries, about what works, what doesn't work. And I'm so, so happy that we are expanding our ability to be able to meet the needs of all kids here at GIS. That's wonderful. And one thing I particularly love about what you said is how you started by talking about your experience as a GIS student and how that really laid the groundwork for your value system, and it really illustrates to us the importance of, of all the programs that we run in our school and making sure that we're getting out into the community and students are having the chance to have all of these experiences. Yeah. That's very important. Um, Denise, our new program has at its core the tenets of inclusion and neurodiversity, and this has been brought up already. So just to step back for a second, let's set the stage for the rest of our conversation. Could you talk to us about these two words a little bit, and just how would we define them? 
So I think we'll start with neurodiversity because that gives us a bit of foundational information. So neurodiversity basically just refer refers to variations in the human brain, right? And that can cover everything from your socialization to your learning to your attention. And at GIS, our perspective is that that is all completely normal. Neurodiversity does not represent some type of deficit. Our understanding and our belief is that we're all diverse in many different ways. So sitting around this table recording this podcast, right, we all come from a bunch of different backgrounds, different racial backgrounds. Uh, we're all of the same gender at this table, but we, um, we value diversity at GIS. So the idea behind the GIS Learning Center is that neurodiversity is something that's also that something that we value. And we want to make sure that GIS is not functioning as some sort of bubble. In the world, there are neurodiverse people. There are people that have all different um, types of learning abilities and styles and skills and their socialization and all of that. And we want to make sure that that's represented in our school community as well. If we move on to the inclusion aspect of it, GIS really has been for a long time on the path to becoming an inclusive school. So we are consistently increasing our ability to provide inclusive education to students with a wide variety of learning variations. And at GIST right now, that is what we're focusing in, on in terms of inclusive education. So when we look at what we're doing now, we have students that receive learning support services to support them as learners, and they are included in the classroom for the majority of the time that they're in the, in the school setting. And what the GIST Learning Center does is it takes us to a further step to basically broaden our scope of the students that we have in our program. Okay, thank you so much for that. That was um, really helpful. And I think, you know, Denise, it takes me back to a conversation that we had a few weeks ago on this podcast with Kat Nagayan. In that conversation, we were talking about what should you look for? What should parents look for when they're trying to decide on an international school for them? And she talked about how really you should be looking for a school that fits your values. And I was, thought that was really powerful how you brought up the values that GIS has. And we had mentioned in that podcast that you know, there's kind of a difference between schools that advertise their value of inclusion and some that are wanting to be exclusive. And you talked about that idea that at GIS, we really value inclusion. And I think that that's really powerful. And I think for myself as a teacher, I remember actually with meeting with you, Maya, and you asking about you know, my children and thinking, you know, I want to be at a school like this that really values that and is moving towards being more inclusive. So I think that's really powerful. With that in mind, Maya, you know, not every international school, not every school is, has that same kind of value. And it looks very different in many different schools. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the landscape looks like in Indonesia and then how GIST will work towards being at the forefront of inclusion? Right. So um, I think that in Indonesia, like in many, many countries in the world, finding the best educational setting and finding ways to provide interventions and support for all children is something that is always studied, is always researched, and is always looked at. In Indonesia currently, I think that there are some specialized programs and specialized schools for students with different neurodiversities. There are schools that are very specific to perhaps a typical, um, a, a typical structure or program. For example, you might have a school that is geared towards children with learning disabilities. You might have a school that is geared towards children on the autism spectrum and has ABA or behavioral programs with it. 
So, um, so you can find bits and pieces here, but in general, especially if you look at countries such as the United States, it's an, um, Indonesia is in the infancy of understanding and growing programs such as um, what we're talking about, which would provide support at the most intensive levels possible. Um, in international schools, it's very varied. As you said, Mindy, it's, um, you can find schools that have really well-developed programs and have a continuum. And then you, have, you can have schools that only have um, an ability to meet the needs of specific children. So um, that varies as well. I think that the hardest piece here is that um, with children who have atypical development or with children who have more complicated developments or with children who have specific needs, understanding that need and being able to, um, to prescribe a program that is supportive of them is very difficult to find here in Indonesia. It's very difficult to find um, people that have that expertise, um, though it's starting to begin to grow. You can find more psychologists, more developmental pediatricians, more speech-language therapists in the private sectors here who have helped many of the families who have children that might need more interventions. I think mostly as well is that it's not as well, um, it's not understood as much as it should be in families. And so often you still find that parents or families will have a child homeschooled and will have a child working from the home who may have more intensive needs mm -hmm. and have a one-on-one -on -one person there mm -hmm. as opposed to having them in school because that's really the only option for some families. Right. So with thinking about that and um, this idea that in Indonesia that you do have some support for students, but as you said, it's a bit in the infancy. Mm -hmm. Why would you say it's important for just to start this intensive student support program now? You know, I think that first and foremost, um, I believe that we should do all we can in support of every individual child that's out there. I think as a school, we need to understand who we can serve, and we need to be very ethical about it and be able to provide the services to those students that we take through our doors. I think that the world now has shown us that people are different, and it's okay to be different, and that we have all sorts of different diversities, as Denise said earlier, and that um, it's important to raise our children, our own children, in a world at school that reflects what the world is outside. So I think first and foremost, by doing this, by having this inclusive program, we are showing the world and showing this community that we are resembling what is out there in this global community. But I think secondly, what I see often, which is really heartbreaking being in international schools, is that families come here and sometimes the families have to be separated because there is no program for a child that might need more intensive intervention. So for me, to be able to provide a program and a school and a community where the whole family can belong, where siblings can be together, perhaps in different programs, but where they can all be part of the same just community family is really critical. And I think the last piece of it, of course, is we need to help develop this area of education. We need to help support our greater 
Indonesia community in understanding how this type of intervention is possible in schools and in specialized programs. And I think that by having this learning center here, by having a program that meets the needs of children with more um, in intensive needs, will help us be able to, sh to maybe be a model for other programs within the country. Okay. Thank you so much, Maya. I have to say that just to give the listeners a bit of context here, as you were speaking, all of us were just like vigorously shaking our heads <laughs> up and down. I want to I want to take some of what you said and just frame it. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, and I think Morgan, you probably have had this. Denise, you probably had this experience as well, where we've seen some of those families that we maybe have taught before that weren't able to be together in different schools. So I think that's really powerful. And I love this idea, too, of you know, showing the way that this type of intervention is possible, as you said. And it has me thinking about how we talked about inclusion versus exclusion and how it's maybe not an either or situation. It's, as you said, sort of along a continuum. So Denise, can you tell us a little bit more about how we're kind of moving along that continuum in terms of where, what kind of support services are we providing now at GIST and what additional services will we be providing? Yes. So currently at GIST, we have a really robust student support services team. Um, we're very lucky to be at a school that has so many qualified professionals that have had, you know, combined decades of experience in this area. Currently, we provide learning support to students. That's one area where we provide academic support. So that might be for students who have difficulty in literacy, in math, or in any other type of academic subject. We support students with dyslexia, dysgraphia, or any other type of um, disorder where they can have some difficulty with their learning, their academic learning. We also support students on the speech language side so that we have speech language pathologists employed at the school to support on that end of it. And we also provide support for students with motor development. And um, coming from the elementary school, that's something that, was, that has just been such an exciting addition to our program because not only are we able to provide support for these particular students, what happens when you have a robust student support, support team is that it creates kind of a community where everyone is able to participate in these services to some extent. So that's that inclusion part of it, right? right. So we make sure that when students are receiving these services, they're not seen as other or different. This is just a natural part of their learning. And then for the other students in the class, they also consider this a natural part of their learning as well. The difference with the GIST Learning Center and why we're so excited is because we're going to be able now to move to students that have more intensive needs. So the profile that we're looking at for students for the GIST Learning Center are students with what's categorized right now as an intellectual disability. What that means is that they will have kind of some global cognitive delays that will make it difficult for them to participate in a typical classroom on the academic end of it. And they might also need some additional support with speech language and with motor development. The difference with the GIST Learning Center, again, is that this program is basically going to be held in a self-contained classroom. And so the students are going to be able to get that intensive support that they need. And again, this is a new population that we're going to be reaching out to and we're really excited about. Okay, great, thank you. So thinking about those students in the self-contained classrooms, how will the cur curriculum look for them? Yes, so the big difference, I think, when we're looking at students with um, 
intensive learning needs and students with an intellectual disability is that you kind of have to have a two-pronged approach to their curriculum. There is always going to be an academic side. So the traditional reading, writing, and mathematics that actually happens in a self-contained classroom. I think that's something that people are not usually aware of. So the students might not be, for example, you might have a student in a multi-age classroom, let's say it's a K to two classroom, and you might have a student that's participating on the academic side in a grade level that's lower than their actual physical age, but they are actually doing the academics. Aside from the academic component, the other side of it is life skills, and that's something that we're always going to be focusing on because we want to make sure that we're building independence for students that are. That's fantastic, and this actually plays well into our next question, which is, can you kind of walk us through what a typical day might look like for kids in the self-contained program? Definitely. So as I mentioned, we have that academic component. So students will come in. One thing I think we haven't mentioned before is that when you're in a self-contained classroom, the class size is much smaller than a typical classroom. So our classes will max at eight students, and we will have one classroom teacher and we will potentially have two assistant teachers in the classroom, depending on the needs of the students. The awesome thing about the GIST Learning Center is that everything is individualized. Every student comes in with their individualized learning plan, and that is how we develop the learning program for that student. So again, while you'll have the traditional subjects, reading, writing, and math, the other components of it are really based on what that individual student. Um, so you know, we, we've been talking about a lot of different topics, of course, and one of the things that has also come up is this idea that we want to resemble what's out there in the international community. We want to be more realistic and, and be um, reflective of society at large. And not to put my own priorities on this, but I, you know, I, I'm a parent here, and I would really love it if my child was able to interact some with students who are in the self-contained program. I don't want them to see them as others. So um, could you talk to us a little bit about how the mainstreamed students in the school might have the chance to interact with students in the self-contained classrooms? Yes. So the GIST Learning Center, a core tenet of our program is that, a core tenet of our program is that Students in the GIST Learning Center are a part of GIST. They are not separate from the other students at GIST. They are a normal part of our everyday life, and they are a student just like any other student. So what mainstreaming looks like for this program, I mentioned before that every student comes in with an individualized learning plan. Mm -hmm. And that really is our roadmap to what mainstreaming or any other inclusion for that student will look like. Some students will be able to be included in academic subjects with their similar peers. Um, some students will be included in, for example, in um, specialist classes, so PE or art, but all students will participate in any type of school-wide activity. So when we're talking about recess, if we're talking about assemblies, if we're talking about trips, these are things that if every student is participating, students in the GIST Learning Center will partic be participating in as well. That is fantastic. Fantastic to hear. Thank you very much. So um, I imagine people are very excited about this. We just have a couple more questions as we head into... Yes, um, as we're finishing yeah. up our, our time here, which we both, I think we're looking at each other thinking, can we keep them a little yes. bit longer? Because <laughs> this is very inspiring and it sounds like an amazing program. Uh, I think one of the things that we want to think about is parents that are out there that might be interested in this. So Maya, could you tell us a little bit more about what's the rollout plan for this in terms of how do parents find out more about the program or the admission process? Sure. 
So currently we are launching our website that has information about this learning center and our, all the different details about it. As well, we are putting press releases out throughout Jakarta. Last year when we started talking about this, I had conversations with parents that were open and we will continue to have open like coffee presentations and opportunities for people to connect. We certainly would like anyone who's interested to reach out to our admissions director and um, that person will then help us navigate the admissions process. All right, thank you both so much. We've really appreciated your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you.